Well, greetings, viewers and listeners to CHP Talks here again for another edition this week. And we have a special guest with us this week, Dr. Erwin Lutzer um, from uh, Chicago, Moody Bible Institute. And um, I'm I'm just going to, uh, first of all, welcome you. And then I've got a short introduction and then we'll get into the program. So uh, thank you for joining us today, Dr. Lutzer. Glad to be with you. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, Dr. Erwin Lutzer is Pastor Emeritus of the Moody Church in Chicago, where he served as a senior pastor for 36 years. He, uh, many of you know, he's a very clear expositor of the Bible, the featured speaker on three radio programs heard on more than 1,000 outlets in the United States and around the world. Uh, those programs Running to Win, the Moody Church Hour, and Songs in the Night. Uh, Dr. Lutzer is also an award-winning author of numerous books, including two that I've recently read and reread and hope to discuss today, uh, When a Nation Forgets God and We Will Not Be Silenced, and two books I highly recommend to our listeners. Um, his speaking engagements have taken him to Russia, the Republic of Belarus, Germany, Scotland, Guatemala, and Japan. He also leads tours to Israel, to Greece, and to the cities of the Protestant Reformation in Europe. Today, I'm very grateful that he's taken the time to speak to our viewers and listeners. So uh, again, welcome, Dr. Lutzer, and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much, Rod. I appreciate being on. And as I mentioned to you a moment or two ago, I was actually born in Canada, born in Saskatchewan, about 100 miles from the U.S. border near a place called Weyburn. And I was born on a farm there, and God led me in many providential ways by which I could become the pastor of Moody Church here in Chicago for 36 years. So uh, the Lord has been exceedingly good to me, and I'm so glad that we can have this discussion because I still do retain in my heart a burden for the great dominion of Canada. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we, I mentioned two books, When a Nation Forgets God, and uh, We Will Not Be Silenced, which is more recent. And uh, maybe I, I, we'll start with We Will Not Be Silenced. Um, why did you write that book? What, what drew you to take that step? Rod, I began to realize that the radical left in America does not believe that America can be fixed. It has to be destroyed and then rebuilt on a cultural Marxist foundation. You know, we hear a lot about cultural Marxism. Originally, Marx, classical Marxism, had to do with the economy. The bourgeoisie had to be overthrown by the proletariat, and you needed a revolution. Cultural Marxism says we can achieve the same goals incrementally if we attack the culture. So we have to capture law and education and politics. And if we attack the culture, we can destroy that which has been built up so that everything is clear for a, a Marxist revolution that can be built upon its own foundation. Now, what I do in the book, We Will Not Be Silenced, is I show how this is applied First of all, to the vilification of our history. Of course, I'm writing from the standpoint of the United States. I'm not sure how that applies directly to Canada, but here in the States, 
our Judeo-Christian values are being vilified. So, uh, you know, you, you destroy the past, you delegitimatize America, and then uh, what you try to do is to show that you have a path to the Marxist paradise. Also, how it's applied to race, critical race theory, based on the Marxist notion of those who are oppressed versus oppressors. And of course, you have two categories of people. You have the oppressed and you have the oppressors. And the intention is not to bring about some kind of racial rec uh, reconciliation mm -hmm. or working together. The whole purpose of uh, critical race theory is to tear everything apart and to keep it apart until the oppressed overcome the oppressors. And now the oppressors are, of course, whites. And uh, we are the ones who have white supremacy and we have to be overthrown. So that's what actually lies behind that. And as Christians, we see that critical race theory tears apart everything that Jesus died to bring together. Mm. And then uh, how it's applied to freedom of speech. Many people don't recognize this, but what happened is as Marxism filtered into America, the Marxist view is this, oppressors should keep their mouths shut and listen to the oppressed. Mm. The argument is, if we have freedom of speech, the oppressors will always win because they will take advantage of their power. And so what we have to do is to take power from them because words are power. And if we take power from them and uh, not allow them to speak, then we can hear the oppressed. They are the ones that are given a free reign. So here in the States, it's the LGBTQ community. They have freedom of speech. But when a conservative is invited to one of our universities, oftentimes he or she is vilified. They're not even allowed to speak because they do harm. There's a whole new theory of harm that has been developed. And students need safe places. If they hear something they don't agree with, they have to go into a, um, into a safe place where they can lick the wounds of their unappreciated victimhood. Mm -hmm. And then I show one of the most important chapters is on propaganda. The purpose of propaganda is to so shape people's view of reality that um, even when confronted with a mountain of evidence, they will not change their minds. And then I have a chapter on socialism, the sexualization of children. So basically, I show how cultural Marxism has permeated all of the culture, education, even sometimes creeping into our churches by means of such things as critical race theory. And we need to understand its underlying presuppositions so that we at least know what we're up against. But every chapter in my book always has the response of the church. Because I really didn't write the book to reclaim the culture. I wrote the book to reclaim the church because I think that the church is being shamed into silence. And therefore, what we must do is to be willing to speak and to take the consequences. 
Yeah. Well, in these two books uh, that you, you know, <laughs> um, they work very well together. Uh, a little bit of time has passed between uh, the When a Nation Forgets God, uh, which is a lot of it is in reference to what happened in Nazi Germany and how a whole culture, a whole society was moved away from, uh, you know, the norms of, you know, civilization, democracy, uh, dignity and respect and, you know, treating one another basically in a, in a Christian fashion, uh, doing unto others as you'd have them do unto you, and moved into that um, place of fear where good people were afraid to speak out and uh, those who were intent on evil uh, were, were free to uh, express that and without any fear of repercussions because the laws were changed. I just uh, when you, it's fascinating that um, you, you, one of the chapters in uh, When a Nation Forgets God, you bring out that the fact that something is legal, according to the laws of the land, does not mean it's moral. But uh, many people make that, uh, you know, fail to make that distinction. And they think, well, uh, you know, it's legal to kill Jews, as they said in Germany. So, uh, I've I've done nothing wrong, and of course that's that's a false uh, conception of uh, you know basing your value of your words and deeds on that. But uh, you were talking just now about Marxism, and you know you very rarely hear anyone on the left, those in the dominant uh, uh, cultural trends that are are shaking both of our nations. You very rarely hear them talk about Marxism. You know, these other things are coming in, uh, as you mentioned, propaganda. They're very clever with the propaganda, which is changing people's minds. I thought that was a powerful statement, uh, changing people's minds so that even when they see a mountain of evidence, uh, they they don't recognize it. It doesn't uh, penetrate that worldview that has been developed. Exactly. And that, of course, is accomplished by cultural demonization, collective demonization, where you uh, have a cultural stream. Oftentimes, it necessitates an enemy. You know, Nietzsche said that if you want to really gain power, you need an enemy, you need victims. And you have to tell those victims that you are on their side. And you have to do all that you can to stimulate hatred because, as Hitler said, since you're referring to my book on Hitler, as Hitler said that um, uh, hatred is more powerful than mere dislike. Mm. So what we have to do is to recognize the fact that we have certain trends in our society. There's a lot of hate out there. You also need slogans. Language, of course, is used when it comes to propaganda. And uh, I encourage people to open the box after they see the label. For example, one of the things that you need to have a revolution is to have some slogan that nobody can speak against. Here in the States, we have Black Lives Matter. Well, right. of course, Black Lives Matter but only some black lives matter. The black lives that were shot in Chicago uh, during the past week, probably nine or 10, they don't matter. So 
what you do is you look at that organization and you discover that it is really run by Marxists. So what you do is you open the box to find out social justice certainly sounds like something that all of us should be involved in. But when you open the box, you discover that it's a whole world view of reordering society. So what you have in America and in propaganda is cultural streams that are so powerful, it's almost impossible to speak against them because if so, you will be vilified, marginalized, you could lose your job and so forth because you either should be in step or get out of the way. Yeah. Well, the, the Black Lives Matter is a particularly uh, interesting slogan. Uh, as you mentioned, of course, we all certainly agree Black Lives Matter, every life matters. But when you say even the also truthful phrase, all lives matter, um, that is uh, taken as a hateful statement because somehow uh, the opposition feels that it is undermining uh, their their movement. And, and so uh, somehow when you say all lives matter, you are denigrated as, uh, as a hate person, hateful person. Yeah, exactly. And of course, the argument is that they are trying to make a point that Black Lives Matter and uh, as you mentioned, we all agree that Black Lives Matter, but so does the Black life of David Dorn, who was shot during a Black Lives Matter demonstration in St. Louis. Now, he was a Black man. He was protecting a store, and he was shot, but you never hear his name in the news because only some Black Lives Matter, namely the ones that can be used to advance a political cause. Right. But we as Christians need to understand that God has called us to this hour. Uh, we are here by divine appointment. God has given us resources. This is not a time for the church to be silent. It is not a time when we are shamed into silence, but when we must speak, we must speak with clarity, we must speak with love, when shouted at, we don't shout in return, but we do speak. And that's why I wrote the book entitled, We Will Not Be Silenced, because certainly there are voices out there that want to silence us. Yeah, and it's excellent. And I think we, the church, Christians, um, need that reminder that, and a kind of a reinforcement and encouragement because sometimes it can feel, I know you would have experienced this, can feel lonely in this uh, big cultural current that you mentioned. It's going in a different direction than we want to go. And, and uh, I think you point out that there is actually a deliberate attempt to make us feel isolated and alone, that, that we're the only ones that that uh, maybe we are wrong, you know, and and so uh, it becomes that reluctance to speak up when there is a price to pay, whether it's through shaming, ridicule, or getting more serious, the loss of a job, uh, or even physical threats uh, to ourselves and our families. Yeah, exactly. And what we must do is to realize that when some people speak out, it can create a movement. I'm sure that you 
Canadians have heard about the news that happened in Virginia recently where you have a Christian man by the name of Glenn Youngkin who actually won the governorship because there were a bunch of parents who simply said, we will not take it anymore. We will take authority over our children and we're not going to allow the school unions to crowd them out and to say that they are the ones who are to educate our child without any input from us. One of the things I want to make sure is that there may be pastors listening to us. So I just want to clarify, as a pastor, I've never endorsed a political candidate nor a political party, but I've always preached about those issues that impinge on politics. Right. Politics is not ultimately important, the gospel is, but politics is very important. Ask the people in North Korea whether or not politics is important. Of course it is. We see here in the United States that our president has signed some executive orders regarding transgenderism and the like, and those are now filtering down to our Christian colleges and universities, and they have to push back. They have to push back by legal means, because after all, politics and the politicians who make policy, they do matter. So what you do is, if you're a pastor, is preach about these uh, issues. When I was pastor of Moody Church, I preached about same-sex marriage, transgenderism, responsibility of parents to raise their children and to be responsible for their education. And uh, so what we need to do is to say, we are going to stand on biblical principles, speak clearly with conviction, and then we have to be willing to take the consequences. We're not used to that because we've lived in countries that have always had freedom of religion. But as that is changing, It's so important for us to realize that we're called to a new era because we have never been here before. But this is not an opportunity for us to simply retreat into silence, but to speak with clarity. Excellent. Uh, You mentioned earlier, uh, or you you, uh, said you weren't quite sure how uh, some of these things applied in Canada. Just uh, you, may, you may know this already, but for our viewers, I'm just going to repeat what we often say, that the uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is a part of Canada's uh, complicated constitution, we don't have a constitution as uh, the United States of America, a simple piece of paper with with everything in one place, but we have a constitution made up of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, you know, precedent, uh, case law, and so on. But um, it begins with a preamble, whereas Canada was founded on principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. And that's sort of the foundational statement upon which, uh, you know, the Charter of Rights uh, is uh, laid out. Now, some judges have ignored that, in various court cases, um, said, well, it's just the preamble. But really, it everything else that comes in the charter is based on that supposition. And so the supremacy of God uh, means that God is supreme over even the Supreme Court. And the rule of law means all Canadians should be treated uh, fairly and equally. 
Dr. Lutzer, if people want to, uh, you know, get a hold of your resources, the books you've written, and, and there, you've written many more books than just the ones I've mentioned here, um, or want to uh, tap into some of your sermons and, and things like that, how, how do they do that? All right, there are two different ways. First of all, in terms of the books that we have discussed, we will not be silenced. And when a nation forgets God, seven lessons we can learn from Nazi Germany, they can actually go to Amazon and they can purchase them there or christianbook.com, christianbook.com. Now, if they want to listen to sermons and blogs and things that I've done and Five Minutes with Pastor Lutzer, which comes out every week. It's a video of five minutes on various issues. They can go to moodymedia.org, moodymedia.org. Uh, if you go to Moody Church, that's a different website. Okay. Go to moodymedia.org and uh, spend some time there, look at the various resources, the sermons are all free, and it's an opportunity for you to connect with us. But for We Will Not Be Silenced, the book, you can go to Amazon or christianbook.com. Well, very good. Excellent. Anything you would uh, like to leave with our listeners uh, before we close off for today? I would just simply say this, Rod, that uh, people need to remember that back behind all of these forces, there are spiritual forces. And what we have to do is to give ourselves to prayer and to the Word of God. We have many enemies, not just political, but the whole issue of technology and the addiction of our young people to their cell phones. We have lots of battles that we have to fight We've not been this way before, but we have to have yieldedness, faith, intercession, and uh, we don't have to win all of our battles to be faithful, but faithfulness is required. So thank you to you, thank you to the people of Canada, to the believers, and God bless you. Uh, thank you very much, and God bless you. And to our viewers and listeners, we'll be back again next week with another edition of CHP Talks. Thank you. Thank you.